welcome to your daily game face. It's an early edition on Monday, the 4th. 4th. Do you want me April. to come in and fix your screen so you can see the... You what? Do you want me to come in and fix your screen so you can see the no, show? No, I can't see myself, which is fine. I can see Ghost Chronicles in front of me, well, we which just is did the that show that show I was right just on. You. Yeah. It was a quick turnaround. I Yes. and the, But behind me, you can see it, and that's fine. Are, can people actually see me if they're looking at the show? Yes. Oh. Yeah, everyone can see it did fine. Did you just no, snap at me? I did not. Oh, my God. But you won't be able to see the comments. What? Or... I won't be able to see the comments either? No, unless I put them on the screen. So I can go set up the screen so you can oh, watch the show. It. We'll just, we, have to, we have things to talk about. Okay. So anyways, I just came in. It's Monday. It's a beat. I'm having allergies as mm. usual. It's Monday morning. You're getting ready to leave for Ireland. When yes. do you leave? Uh, Wednesday. Oh, so Wednesday you actually morning. leave on Wednesday. Yeah, but I work today. I work tomorrow, and I leave on Wednesday. Very good. You excited? Yeah, I'm a. Uh, uh, well, it's traveling for me, and I'm traveling by myself. So. Hopefully, you won't have any of those plane issues that happened over the weekend with all the airlines. It was some in Logan, right? Uh, yeah, I saw Southwest, Southwest and, Jet yeah. Blue, Delta. Yeah. I'm not sure really. That was what weather happened. in the Southwest, I think. I heard four different things. I heard it had to do with timing, weather, technical difficulties, and computer things. Yeah. So, nonetheless, well, I hope that you have a lovely time in Northern Ireland. I, I couldn't remember where you go. You're yeah. going for a wedding. Yeah. For a lovely wedding, for a photo op wedding. My daughter's daughter. photo op wedding, right? Yeah. Exactly. And I hope it's lovely. And I hope it's not foggy and yucky. I'm and sure then you we'll can find bring me something back something, which you won't, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I just came in on Monday morning, and right before my show, I stepped into the last 15 minutes of Ron Kolick's Ghost Chronicles, which we were talking about curses. Curses, yeah. And the psychology of curses and whether or not we believe in them. And then, of course, I brought it to sports and talked about, about health and wellness and sports and how people have rituals and can they curse themselves and can they get themselves in and out of their curses? And yeah, so that's a great place to start because, you know, we can always talk about narcissism because I know lots of narcissistic people in my life. <laughs> we could, yeah, looking we at could me. go right down that chute. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, well, but we're also, talking that curse. I think curses are largely psychological and I, th I think they're largely self-fulfilling. Well, that's what, that's what you and I were just saying. And, yeah. I, and I think, was Ron agreeing with that? Yes. Okay. Because I, I wasn't sure about, because I didn't hear the whole show. But, but he's a um, tried and true radio host. So he tries to present the other side just to keep the. Uh... So I think that, I think that curses are an interesting little tidbit of information because curses have to do with like superstition and uh, self-fulfilling prophecies. And they start in youth and. Of course, everything starts in youth when it comes to psychology and me talking about psychology. But curses happen to be part of like the childhood fantasy plays that yeah. and they, it, they don't talk about them as curses. It's, you know, you know, walk on the, you know, step on the line, break your mother's back or whatever. Step on the crack, break your mother's back. Um, you know, if you if you kids go through ritualistically, if they go up every two stairs and they miss one, they have to come all the way back down the stairs yeah. and start up again because they're cursed. Yep. They wouldn't call it cursed, but something bad will happen if they don't do it. Um, you know, if they, this is the, the underpinnings of OCD because it's like yeah. checking. If you're a door checker, you know, you go to bed at night, you check all the doors, make sure they're locked, but then you can start all over thinking that you never checked the doors in the first place, but yep. you know, logically you have, but you think that you haven't. So 
whether you call that a curse or a self-fulfilling prophecy or ritual or whatever, it all falls under that psychological phenomenon of essentially gaining some sense of control over your life. But we were, we well, were also specifically talking about putting curses on other people. That's what he was talking about at the end about, can you, can I curse Tom Brady? Can you curse Tom Brady? Which I said, no, (laughs) we're not doing that. Um, And taking voodoo dolls and doing all those things. And I think that we're at a different level talking about that psychologically when we're talking that way. But this goes right to game face, doesn't it? And it goes to one of the basic problems with human nature is that we want to externalize everything and we want to denounce our personal control over our outcomes and that's exactly what we shouldn't be doing. Well, yes. It's, it's a curse. It, it wasn't me. It wasn't well, my so decision. It's, it was a well, curse. Well, it's the justification. So we yeah. didn't get into this, but this is where I was going to go with it, is that we as human beings, when we have success, we internalize the locus of control and say, look at what we did. Yep. I studied. I passed. I did this. I made the money. I did. I did. Right. When we fail or when we fall off the mark right then Mm -hmm. what happens well we go right to the external locus of control of we're we're essentially cursed we we get we justify it that something happened it was something got in the way if i'd only gotten there a little sooner or if that ball didn't go over the edge or if someone had given me this other thing and i had played that you know it's or you know you see it if you go to a casino you Mm. see it a lot yeah because people will say if they had pulled the thing one more time after they've gotten up off of a, you know, the, the machine. And then the next person sits down and they pull and they win a million dollars. They feel that somehow the the machine was cursed against them. But, you know, instead of looking at it, like the logical, no, the odds played in the favor. And that was the person hit the odds. It just happened to be that you got up at that moment, whatever. So it's a matter of interpretation. It's a matter of how you look at things perceptually it's a matter of how you get through those periods of time in your early life, like four, five, six, seven of fantasy life of, do I have a sense of control externally versus internally over? Obviously, logically, if I step on a crack, nobody's back is going to get broken. If I go under a ladder, you know, nothing's going to happen. If a window breaks, I don't need to, or mirror breaks, something bad isn't going to happen. Like all these superstitious types of things doesn't mean that you're going to have all these years of bad luck, but we have steeped history in, you know, whether you want to call it Wiccan, witchcraftery, voodoo, uh, just general psychology of cursing oneself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Self-fulfilling prophecy. That would be the general. Or the other way, term. blessing oneself or, or the other way, blessing oneself or seeking blessings of, of a God or something like that. We're just, we're, we're constantly trying to, trying to give up our control externally and we well, if downplay our it, internal control completely as if something can, well, as if something's going to help us yes and so yes and to that point where you talk about faith in god i i'm a big believer and as i was just saying to ron of like putting it out into the world mm-hmm. putting out the energy and putting out your vibe and saying um bring good things to yourself if you put good things out you'll bring good things in when you are around toxicity it will, it will find you. Yeah. It, it, it inevitably does. You don't have to consciously go looking for it. It's the, 
negative Nelly. It's the Eeyore. It's the person who's always miserable. It's the person who lacks the awareness in how they impact somebody because you say something positive and their next thing is some narcissistic response about themselves of, you know, yep. you know, I, I have this health condition and the next person says, well, why do you have it? And you say, well, this is why. And they relate it to themselves somehow. Yep. And it becomes their thing. It's like, it's not about you. Um, so when you put something out into the world, you expect the reciprocity of health to come back to you. And by and large, we often don't get that. And that's a very big disappointment to so many people. Um, we have a lot of disappointment and, and the, the bar is set and people fail or they, they fall under that bar a lot over and over again because they just can't manage it. Have you delved into the secret at all? And do you have an opinion on it? Uh, well, we've talked about the secret before. Yeah, We're talking about the book, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I've, I've, I have not read the whole thing. I've yeah. read excerpts. I don't stuff. believe in the metaphysical part of it. There's a lot of metaphysical lever right. leveraging the universe and all that stuff. I, I don't really buy into that, but as a psychological exercise, I think it's perfect. The whole thoughts become things and that what you think about, you tend to walk towards or you tend to attract to you as you were just talking about. Well, what well, you put out tends to come back to you. So, so the secret, or if you think about Eckhart Tolle, right, mm -hmm. being present in the here and now, it all goes to the psychological tenet of cognitive behavioral theory, therapy, mm -hmm. theory, theory, therapy. Different lexicon, is, but same. Which principles. is your yeah. thoughts become your feelings, which become your behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. You you start with your thought, and the thought will turn into some feeling that will drive a behavior, that will drive another thought, which will drive another feeling, which will drive another behavior. And it becomes a pendulum that never actually gets around a full circle swing. The Gita uh, podcast deals with the same thing. It yeah. starts with a thought and that leads to action and and that leads and to that's yeah. and that's the thing. And the thing is that the thought doesn't just lead to the action, it leads to the feeling yes. that gets perpetuated right. to drive the the behavior. So the more negative the thought is, and people are like, Well, how do you get to understand the thought? And that goes to my capture challenge change. You have to capture the negativity piece of how your your response to someone leads to a thought for them. Your thought leads to their thought. That leads to a feeling. You're creating a feeling in someone, which creates a behavior, a reaction. Now, if it doesn't go to something positive and productive, it doesn't go around the circle and start over into a positive cycle. Right. What it does is it 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 stops like mid-circle in in ping pongs back to the bad or negative thought. The I call it a gnat, like you know, the little the yep. little black flies that get you at the beach up at Plum Island yep. with the little no see -ems. Yeah. They they're they're always picking at you, picking at you, picking at you. The black, you know, the little black flies that go negative automatic thought because it's always there, always comes to mind. It's there and it perpetuates that next feeling of I feel like a failure. I feel terrible. I feel like I'm nothing. But it also is coming because the thought usually is created out of a misperception or misconception of what's been said or yes. done. And then it drives that feeling deeper, which is a core feeling that you've learned from little bitty childhood about, yes. you know, like Ron was just saying about, you know, you're a piece of crap and you're no good and you're never going to be anything. And all these fractures that go to those ego pieces that lead to a behavior and the behavior could be acting out. The behavior could be, you know, um, drinking and fighting or eating poorly or over-exercising, under-exercising, being abusive, um, being narcissistic. All those yeah. pieces come into play with that, that core. So, 
thought leads to a core belief and a feeling, which leads to a behavior that doesn't go well for you and other people. Our assumption is that when we say something to somebody, it lands exactly how we said it. Right. And it almost never does because there's a whole set of perceptions on the other side mm -hmm. and there's a whole set of stuff you can touch to use another secret phrase. You know, you say something that touches their stuff. And what you said was very mild compared to the way they took it because it touched on something that's deep in them, some uh, symbol of their self-worth or some particular area that they're sensitive about. You didn't mean it with that intensity, no. but it landed on them very hard because it's an area that they're particularly sensitive to. And, and that happens so many times. Something that, you know, someone is so sensitive about something and they hear it the way they want to hear it. And what you've said has really nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. And that it, but they interpret it and then the feeling gets created and then a terrible, terrible, many times reaction comes from it. You know, someone can say, um, so I have this client who has a health condition. They told their husband that they have this health condition and they use some words around the health condition that related to, in his mind, it related to him, mm -hmm. that it was his contribution to this. When in fact, it was just the person telling them the health condition is related to too much stress, too much this, too much that. And these are things that contribute. His interpretation, because he has a guilty soul, for a variety of reasons, went right to anger, shame, blame, and attacked the person. Yep. And so we worked in this, you know, working in this couple's space of something so innocuous got turned around to become. Because he felt he was accused of creating those situations that were triggering her problem. Exactly. Right. Instead if of this hearing is your it fault. From, yeah. Instead of hearing it for just what it was, yeah. it turned into something about him. Yep. Which goes to the narcissism, right? The, the ego had a hit. Because the narcissist in him felt like, oh, this is a, a direct affront on me. It's like saying to someone, you know, you're, you know, we all contribute. We're in couples. We all contribute to finances, mm -hmm. typically, right? Yep. We, in a household. When someone is a direct breadwinner, it doesn't mean that someone else isn't contributing. It means that there's a direct breadwinner in the right. household. Many people both men and women get very upset about like, well, if I make less, but I'm contributing to something, then we're equal. Yeah. This is not the same thing. Yep. So that can lead to stress. It's like, wait a second, breadwinning has to do with breadwinning. That's the sole person who's responsible for going out, having a job, sitting, doing their job, getting their, getting the money and coming in and paying bills. Whether or not you contribute on the other end, what you contribute as the breadwinner and or the three people that live with you, they're all contributors, but they're not the sole breadwinner of the right. home. Now, that creates a problem in the household because a person thinks that they are somehow less than because they aren't the one with that title. That leads to anger and resentment, all these things. And you see this time and again in families yeah. where, you know, people fight about money, kids, sex, and sometimes religion, right? You see that cycle become such a, um, that's, you, that's why it leads to divorce. Yep. Because people can't get past the um, their own individual way of looking at themselves that, wow, I heard that wrong. I heard that with the interpretive ear of the way that I feel about myself right. because that core belief sits under there that I'm no good. Therefore I hear you saying I'm no good. Therefore I'm going to act out on you. 
And that happens across so many yeah. things on a daily that, you know, I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> I would not have a job, Lou, if I didn't have to deal with that because people, and so that's kind of a curse in a way because you're cursing yourself yes. into a self-fulfilling prophecy of you're always setting yourself up to, you're not listening for what's being said. You're listening for what you want to hear right. or what you think you're hearing because you're so damaged. So if you're particular about the fact that you don't think you make enough money, you don't think you make enough money and you feel guilty about that and you have some shame in that, what you're going to do in, in much of our lives in our psychology is about attention focus because right. there's a lot of stimulus. It's what we focus on. Right. You're going to pick out every comment that challenges how much money you make. Exactly. You're just going to be living in that constantly. So you're constantly going to be triggered. Right. by it and that's self-fulfilling prophecy right. that's cursing yourself in a way right yeah well and and that's and that's like you know it's like when we talk about self-gaslighting it's like you can even talk about i mean you pick any topic and it's not necessarily directly talked about but if your interpretation is that's what's being talked about it's like with someone walking in the room and saying whoa you all stopped talking you must have been talking about me yeah mm, nope <laughs> But that's the same concept is that, nope, we weren't talking about you. Maybe sometimes that happens, obviously. Sure. But 99% of the time, my experience at least, is that when someone comes in the room, it's usually like, oh, the conversation ends or it's not a topic that's going to be relevant to that person or it's not. Right. But people get so caught up in their perceptual field of feeling bad about themselves yep. and right to these people in this meeting don't like me anyway. Right. So when you run into that situation, that's what you interpret. This right, which yeah. which is the self-aggrandizing, the I'm I'm more important in my head than I really am. And so I put myself out there. And yeah. then and 95% of the time nobody's paying attention to you at all. Nope. Right. <laughs> nope. Yeah, you think so much is going on and it's about you and so little of it is about you and and right and so and then you it ends up creating so many big problems that have no they have no basis and bearing and then they become problems that never were there in the first place yeah. which then leads relationships friendships and so one that feeds a lot of the narcissistic line that i've been talking about codependency too but really the narcissistic line in relationships of how you know you put that energy out in the world and it finds you going back to how do you how do you not curse yourself in your friendships or curse yourself in your, in your relationships? Um, you know, don't, don't go looking for it, but you do, because if you know it, and that's what Ron was just talking about is oftentimes little kids are set up to yeah. go looking for um, what they've already been told the, you know, you're no good, you know, you're not, you don't contribute enough, whatever. Right. And if you've grown up like that, any little speck of a, of a perception that you think you're being said, you're not doing enough or right. it's that's it. And the person had no, was not putting that out there at all. Nope. But part of that, part of that is, especially in relationships is you have to take this into account. I mean, you don't, you shouldn't, I, a lot of people do, but you shouldn't deal with every person the same way because everybody has a different set of receptors. And right. You know, ideally you learn, you know, that, uh, I'm big on sarcasm. It lands with some people. It bothers other people. You have to figure that out. Right? right. And you have to, you can't be throwing sarcasm at people who don't take it well. Some people love it and it ingratiates you to them and they play the game and some people just get bothered by it. Well, because sarcasm, so sar we've talked about this a long time ago, but sarcasm has such a um, fine line. Yeah. Right. So sarcasm has, so it's rooted in, it's rooted in anger 
many times. It's rooted in resentment. It's rooted in passive aggressiveness. It's rooted in being funny, but it has all those other little roots yep. to it because it's a way of saying something you really want to say without hurting someone's feelings, but you in fact are hurting the person's feelings because you're taking a swipe at them covertly. Yep. Um, and then sometimes it can, I, I teach a lot of my clients that, you know, sarcasm used with what's your purpose. I'll say, what is your purpose of using the sarcastic response? Um, is it to be funny? There's a difference. Yep. Or is it to drive a point home that you're not willing to say point blank because you don't want to hear the response or you're worried about what's going to come back at you. And so therefore, if that's the case, you either hold and you don't say it or you find a way to directly say it because the sarcastic response is going to be yet another sarcastic response. And then you're building a resentment field. You're building a covert sometimes an overt attack field uh, or minefield of, oh, we're in trouble. And um, and so many people are taught that defensively that this is what gets you through. Interesting, because for me, it serves a different purpose. Okay. I mean, it's funny. I think it's funny. But secondly, it's a way for me to speak. What The people I, I'm overly sarcastic with are the people I feel safe with and uh -huh. want them to feel safe with me. Right. So it's like I'm bringing this point out. Everything's OK. In fact, I'm going to make a joke out of it. But I do want to put this on the table. Right. Yeah. But see, you do it with people you feel safe with. Right. Great. And, and hopefully and feel safe with do, me. But you yeah. feel safe with because you can. But if you felt safe enough to say it directly, you would. You wouldn't use the, the funny piece. The funny piece softens the edge of whatever's in the message is there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. So, yes, I would agree that we typically will use sarcasm with people we feel safe with. Many people don't. Many people use it for the I don't feel safe so I can get away with it because right. then I can couch it as it's oh, yeah. just a joke. Yeah. Which, no, it's not. Right. Because there is truth in the in the statement. That's why it's like, oh, well, there, the grain of truth is the, the zinger in it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so, so to your point, yes, correct. And also to my point, it has that other piece to it where you can, you can do a lot of damage and a lot of kids and a lot of adults have been raised to sarcastically go at someone, um, and, and, um, and pick without directly picking. It's like, well, I'm joking. And I think that's, you know, it's kind of, you know, sort of like that loose way of, of doing the curse thing on someone is I'm just kidding. So if it doesn't land well, it's like, oh, well, yeah, but I was just joking. You need to lighten up. You need to chill out. Well, it wasn't funny. Yeah. So in, a, in many cases, especially with adults, I just had this conversation actually in the past week twice about adult bullying that people, that people think, oh, kids are bullies. Adult bullying is sarcasm many times is that you can you when you're gossiping and you're being covertly swiping at someone, you're being an adult bully. Well, that's about to me, that's about reading the room and reading the person you're dealing with, right. because all the people that I am overly sarcastic with or sarcastic with a lot are the same type of people. Right. I get it back. And what well, I was say, what type of person because, is it? Yeah, because it's not I'm not bullying them because when someone doesn't take it well, it doesn't come back at you. That means it's landing differently for them. Right. Just kind of stay away from it a little bit or find another way to put it across. Right. Good thing you and I do so well together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we use sarcasm a lot with each other. I know. We, yeah. I know. Yeah. You're you're fired. We're breaking up. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. 
So, I mean, the people that I'm closest to, a lot of my good friends, we have that type of relationship. They're going at me. I'm going at them. And the thing is, we know it's okay. I love yeah. you. But, you know, well, because I'm going to make fun of you so a little bit. There's the too. safety in yeah. it because you know that in those. So, and this is, I think, more of a rarity than not. Is it, There's a safety in the sarcasm use because it's a defense mechanism. When you're with people like you and me, we'll use that example, is that we know when we walk away, there's no residual. Right. You don't have to go back and, you know, I'm not texting anybody like, were you serious? Are we okay? Yeah, no, right. Exactly. Where you, where I many times will see people have to say that yep. or they'll have to do the check-in, the multiple check-in, the self-check-in, yep. the other people. Then they have to go to their committee and say, this is what I said. Do you think that this is what happened? Yeah. Um, and that is truly with people that you feel two things with. You feel, I find it with new people you're trying to impress and you don't want to be upsetting to and you don't know them well enough. So if you use sarcasm and you don't know no, if no. it really landed well. No, I don't do, do that. that. Well, people do yeah, that. Yeah. And then the and then the second one is just the t complete insecurity of I'm sarcastic and I don't know how it landed because I don't read the room right. And right. did I hurt someone's feelings or did I whatever? And oh, well, and I'll get to know. You know, where where you end up breeding a lot of, of narcissism, because if a person doesn't do the check in to figure out if they're really hurting or damaging someone, they're just breeding the narcissism like, oh, I'm fine. And they'll just have to deal with it because I'm just I'm just joking, kidding. Yeah. So and you see a lot of um, teenagers, not a lot. I'm going to say there's a there's a small grouping of teenagers that you will find that become uh, hardened around using sarcasm. Uh, because they have so many of their own fractures by the time they get to 14, 15, 16, yeah. that they use sarcasm as a way to be humorous in school. And they're often the jokester and they're often whatever, or they're often um, social, social justice seekers, the kids that are like, I'm the fighter for the right. rights of the world. And they use the sarcasm as a way to you get their point across. And in fact, or they're alienating people right. because they don't understand that, mm, your, your energy that's going out in the world is killing the energy in the room. They're alienating when they're trying to separate, they're trying right. to be above it. That's like, right. I don't really care what you think. I'm mm -hmm. going to say this, you know, correct. I'm, a, I'm above, I'm above the social norms here and I'm just, you know, correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But no, I'm, sarcasm for me is with, it's, it's with a known person. It's like, I, I don't go into a new room and start throwing sarcasm around because you never know how it's going to land. You have to figure out how to deal with other people. You have to try to, see how things are landing with other people right part of being a good communicator right exactly and me i'm on the other end of it now where i'm questioning myself all the time okay that bothered me but was it me or was it what was said because you have to understand that people deliver things differently than you sometimes than you want them right. want it to be delivered exactly so you start looking for your partners <laughs> and that's the thing with relationships a lot of times is people don't look for their part in the misunderstanding that maybe they heard something the wrong way, or that person didn't mean it with the vitriol that you that read. That you thought out of it. it had. Yeah. Right. So you have to understand how it's being delivered and what what it means to them. But see, that's that would require a person to have that self awareness that oftentimes they don't because yeah. the vitriol is is missed because it's under the auspice of it's a joke. Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm not even talking about sarcasm totally either. Just all, communications it, well, with is, people. That's, yeah. I, yeah, I just generalized it. Yeah. Well, I was just going to liken it back to the whole Will Smith thing. <laughs> Let's go back to Will Smith for a second, right? Yeah. Like the vitriol that came from that um, 
you know, as I yep. talked about it, which I'm very happy we talked about it last week because I feel that I was even more validated in the fact that it was exactly what we yep. were talking about. It was, you know, very planned, premeditated, and he did his thing. But that when people get that vitriolic response, it's in defense of oneself. So what was in the room using, because most people know the context of Will Smith mm -hmm. now, is that um, it wasn't about Chris Rock. It wasn't about Jada. No. It was about him himself and the, the self-disdain when I think people get so um, combative and vitriolic and angry and whatever. It may come out at you directly, but it's really about the yep. person themselves and and having for you to be able to sit and uh understand that that's hard because if you're on a receiving end of someone being vitriolic yep. um and abusive or or uh, aggressive um and not taking it personally is extremely hard so you have to have good but armor chris rock wasn't that he just touched on the continued emasculation of will smith this is about will smith's self-image it right. wasn't about jader wasn't about chris rock and he, if he'd taken a second and understood that there was no vitriol in his joke towards Jada. Right. And I'm not even sure it was landing that way for her either. And, and, and I, yeah, I have no, and the thing is, is that at the end of the day, the person that ended up looking the best and the classiest and the whole thing, Chris Rock. Yeah. Hands down every single time. Yeah. Across well, the board. The bar wasn't set too high, but yeah. <laughs> but he, but the, well, but the bar is he tends to go that road, and typically here's here's the interesting thought. No, but the, people, all the focus on was on Will Smith because that was such that behavior was so out of character. Out of, well, and inappropriate. Well, yeah, right, inappropriate, out of character, unaccept, unacceptable to the social norms, right? And I think that when out of character social norm behavior for someone that's so publicly eyed as seen as not being vitriolic or aggressive like that um it disappoints people so dramatically that um it, all the stuff that it was about really lost the message i mean i saw people flailing all this last week of trying to figure out like what it meant and who yeah at the end of the day all it meant was like he has issues yep <laughs> and um and chris rock walked away with nothing but you know decorum and class and yeah. grace and and god knows what jane is doing because she didn't say anything and that's a whole other show on yep. like well like most physical conflicts that was the last straw that it didn't start and end there it was that was the last straw and a buildup of well of that's issues. so in my classes last thursday when i was teaching because it's a teaching moment in in actually talking about like codependency and narcissistic behaviors and, and addiction like mm -hmm. you're an addiction like he got on stage and said um love will make you do crazy things or whatever it was he said, you know, and then Denzel Washington t takes him aside and said the demon, yep. you know, you let the demon in. Now many people believe that that's Jada. Um, <laughs> right. Because, well, it's, because, it's an argument that could be made. Right. Yeah. Because he let, he let his thought create a feeling that had been accumulating yep. for a long period of time, not over alopecia. No. It was about his, his, her engagements, her affairs, yeah. his being emasculated on her show, the red tent or whatever she does the show on right. all these things that were accumulating, you know, and then being caught off guard in that very one publicly, by the way. And then, and then Chris Rock's comments was 
comments was, well, that's my wife. If I'm a man, I stand up for it. And it's just another emasculation. Right. It wasn't a particularly offensive comment. It just Well, as I said, and I stood by this is that, you know, even if, even if <laughs> it was made about me, if I had shaved my hair or whatever, and someone said, and you're going to be up for, you know, God, you'll be the next GIJ. And I'm looking at, I, I know I'm dating myself on this, but Demi Moore was a very good GI Jane. She made a very strong statement for women who could be a Navy SEAL, who could stand up yeah. and do the do the job, regardless. The fact was that she had a, her head shaved, and I'm not minimizing that. As I've talked yeah. about, like one of my best friends, not to say, oh, I have a friend that has one of my best friends has alopecia. She, we've had many conversations over the years about it. She goes completely bald now. She doesn't wear a wig. She used to. We've had. It's it's about where's your self-esteem and self-worth to be able to stand for yourself and not have to have your, you know, right. a comment like you'd make a great G, great GIJ. When I talked to her, she was like, that's it. That's not an insult. That's, yeah. that's a. I don't think Jada cared. I, 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 don't, I think this right, was but, all internal. You know, Plus, I, by the way, it's a compliment to the point where no one's cracking jokes on the Oscar stage about people in the back of the room. They're creating jokes about the A-listers. Right. Exactly. It's, and they've all been pre-approved. Yeah. They've all been pre-approved. It's not like they just got played off on the first time. But I think you have to look, you know, talk about um curses, you know, just lightly because putting energy out in the world. If you I was very invested in watching psychology tape on this last week. So after we <laughs> talked, I yep. did because I did this for my my class because I wanted to talk about it in terms of addiction to relationships yep. and the addiction to the relationship that they both have and their unhealthy toxicity. Uh, that I believe, I mean, I don't know them for hiding her hair, but I, yep. you know, psychologically, they're very interesting that, you know, he starts off laughing, she laughs, but then stops, does an eye roll, looks over at him. And all of a sudden it takes him a lag time to saunter up onto the stage and not to belabor the yep. point. We all know what happened and then come back. And then all of a sudden it's like a switch went in the amygdala, you know, so you have acute aggression, happened in the amygdala the reactive aggression center that's all of a sudden now not only did we did we open hand slap premeditatively we didn't just punch out of anger right. we premeditatively did a slap now we're coming back with actual anger and spewing keep your blipping blah blah yep. blah out of your mouth out of my you know my wife's name now we're going and going and going and um was that so look a look of this is why i sleep with other men because you're so sitting the, there taking so this it. was an interesting question that has come up. Is yeah. it a look of this is why I sleep with other people or this is a look of protect me? Because when you see him walk away the first time, he kind of he puffs himself up yeah. like that's how I do it. And yeah. his son was quoted later as stating something to the fact of this is how Smiths do it. So, yeah. you know, little clips and whatever. So so you see his pop up pride yep. from his right but then i think what happened when he got back i mean court monday morning quarterback coming back the shame yep. that comes in to it when he turned around and sat down and chris wasn't even saying anything anymore if you nope. notice he was just like all right well i yep. guess that's the end of that and wow and and he didn't even say anything more and then he went right back at him he said i won't say another word about your wife and he, yep. and then and and he kept going, you know. Justification. It's, he's just he's justifying it, his action. Right. Yeah. Because the acute amygdala reaction got in the way. You know, it's kind of like 
I'm out on the football field and I got to hit you. I've got to hit you. I've got to hit. I've got to make the tackle. I've got to make the yeah. tackle. I've got to make sure you're down for the count. I got to sack you. So he's very lucky talking about, you know, um, curses. Yeah. He's very lucky that he didn't get taken out. I mean, the, the producer to the whole show and the police yep. department showed up and Chris Rock said no. And, and whatever. Yeah, he hit the right guy. Uh, and he, he, he yeah he hit the, the right guy he hit the right person yeah. to not have an ego so so at the end of the day you look at the one who has the ego issue and one who doesn't and yeah. going back to what you said is this an is this a reaction from the look of her being like i sleep with other men because of this yeah. or is this the look of are you going to do something about it if, to make me feel better if about you're a myself? man you'll do if something you're a man about, you'll take care yeah. of me yeah i mean I don't think she has said a lot about it because all I know is a few hours before the Oscars, she had a lot to say about how proud and happy she was about her hair, and yep. which was another very yep. confusing point about like she talks about all the time, but at the same time she also talks very poorly about her husband yep. over the course of her years in marriage with him. So one would think as a psychologist looking from outside in, there is much accumulated something going on there that led to this that had nothing to do with Chris Rock. It could have been anyone saying that joke. It could have been Ricky Gervais. It could have been Amy Schumer. God, yep. God knows. Can you imagine her going up? Yep. And I mean, even right afterwards, she said, she's like, well, the room dynamic has changed. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that could have gotten it going too to have just like, uh, commentary but you know like i don't know uh, anything about his upbringing either but i can imagine in his upbringing there was a he was, he was abused he was abused and watched his mother get a, a hit a lot and has a very strong feeling about women being hit right so but and not protect and not being able to protect his mother but the role the gender role model was probably about you can you can't say that about my wife right yeah i can say it about my wife but you can't say it about my wife Right. You know, that type of thing. Right. So that was probably. You can hit there. my, I can hit my wife, but you can't hit right. my wife. Right. Exactly. Right. So yeah. essentially like metaphorically. Right. So, not, well, not to get you into the weeds on this one, but I'm kind of curious about this because the secondary, the subplot of that whole thing was all this backlash against the standing ovation when he got the Oscar and people railing against it. And the psychology of both is interesting mm -hmm. because to me, the standing ovation was wrote and probably a shocked crowd by the way right just reacting well it's like what, what they, do you do <laughs> what, what they think is normal right right yeah they're not going to stand up and boo them they're not going to right do that type of thing well yeah and it's not like they removed him even though apparently there was lots of talk between those 35 yeah. minutes of that whole thing happening before he got the award that he was going to be removed and then he was decli he declined leaving yeah. but the um, standing ovation is interesting yes it, it, it's just really interesting because a lot of those people weren't standing they probably it wasn't a probably a legitimate standing uh, i would yeah i mean yeah. it would have been i would have loved to have been there just to have the feel i i yeah i've been clamoring i've been doing calls to people i know that were in and around the area were at the red carpet new people that were in there yeah and to get the feel of what was going on. And people on. so upset about standing ovation too. It's like, I don't know, the room must have been weirded out at that point. 
as far as I heard, the room was very weirded out. The whole thing is they couldn't wait for it to be over and all go to their separate parties and do their thing and get away. And, just and can you imagine thing. running that show no. and making the decision of whether he goes up and gets his Oscar at that point? Well, they had, so they, they, they did do stone. I think it was stone Phillips did a great interview with, um, the whole, the, the producer, executive producer of the show. And, and he talked very candidly about the police had been called and said they were going to charge him with battery. And Chris Rock was saying no, yeah. and that they were saying we are going to remove him. And they were saying, and, and how the executive producer at first was like, Oh, this is, this is going to be a shtick. This yeah. is a joke. And then he realized when he started yelling from the chair, he said, that's the moment he realized, Oh, he said, his words were, Oh no. Yeah. We've gone over the, we have a problem. He said he was, you know, they went to the, put it on the mute delay, which that's why the first two seconds, the two F bombs got out because yep. no one thought it, <laughs> no one knew. No one expected F bombs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No one knew those were coming. Um, yeah. And then it went to that. And so he said that it was, but that was a, they had a very deliberate decision to make to whether him, whether him to pick up the Oscar or not. Right. And that was an interesting decision. Now battery, I don't know if that rose to battery. It does. It's solid. I, well, technically, I know it does, but you know, I'm not ready to put the guy in handcuffs for a slap. But maybe that's my male bias. I don't know. But as the producer of that show, you have a very interesting decision to whether him whether to let him take the stage <clears throat> and pick up the Oscar. Right. Right. Well, and he and uh, and from what I heard him say was that they after Chris Rock declined over and over again and said, "I'm okay. Everything's okay." And he tried to apologize to them and, and the Pinkett Smith team ignored them. And then the police came in and said, you know, we're going to escort you out. They declined um, that they made they made an executive decision that they would go on with the show because Will Smith, didn't, no one knew he would want no one other than Smith, Waterhouse, Price House, whatever. They are the only ones that knew that he won. So he right. didn't know. So it wasn't like they're going to take it. So. So they it's chose. even interesting now that I'm thinking of it, it's even interesting that he chose to stay. Well, and so so the it, it was interesting because the it, there's so many interesting pieces because the executive producer said he thought for sure, because he knows well, and many people have said this, that he thought he would get up and make amends and repair immediately. And instead he didn't, he ended up blaming it talk about going back to the top of my show talking about justification and 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 putting it out there into the world and externalizing it you know he blamed it on you know love will do, make you do crazy things just like you know um winning the for the father of serena and venus williams and the father their father came out and said yeah. i do not support this i do not support what he did this is not a representation of me or any man that i would know like <coughs> So I found that very interesting yeah. that, and, that he, and then it took him a whole over 24 hours to actually respond. And it wasn't directly to Chris Rock, really. No. <laughs> and then now I don't know this for sure, but from what I'm gathering is that I'm believing that he's been either he either resigned on his own he or was, stepped yeah. down from the Academy itself. The Academy Board of Governors of being able to like vote and do all those things and whatever he he punished himself well, as he should. Well, and, that's just smart. He, he instead of forcing their hands, you resign and you let it blow over, and then he's right. back in a year or two. And, and hope well, and yeah. hopefully it doesn't kill his career. Yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully one one swallow doesn't make a summer. You know, the famous saying of well, you know, one yeah. one time shouldn't. But this was a big one. Yep. 
this could curse him forever. Speaking of curses, because <laughs> the energy that he put out in the world, karma can come back and bite him. Any tickets left? Huh? Any tickets left? Oh, so I do not have any tickets left. Congratulations. Thank you. So what what you're talking about is for my New England Patriots um, giveaway. I will be drawing live on the 16th for the Peloton or the $2,500 cash. Um, but I am still, I'm doing, so I'm doing other fundraisers. I did a beautiful fundraiser, by the way. Thank you to O'Connor Hardware this week, this past weekend. I was there from nine to three. It was a beautiful day. I raised a whole bunch of money for my New England Patriots Charity Foundation, which is helping 26 charities locally and giving away thousands and thousands of scholarships to their charities to help them every year. Um, I'm still raising money. I'm going to be raising money all the way through Marathon Week, Marathon Monday. My last day of raising money will probably mm -hmm. be on the 16th. I'm going to be there one more time for three hours. I'm, I gave away a trip this weekend. Nice. I gave away lots of signed material. So I still have all those things. I have more in the shoot to come, but I'm also please asking people, I'm still trying to get those numbers up there to please go ahead and give, you know, 25, 50, a hundred dollars, um, to, uh, the give and gain link that you have in our, our, you'll post it back yep. up, but, um, please go today, uh, and every day in between and get your friends to do it. Um, so uh, yes, I sold all 240 wonderful tickets for the chance to win. It was, it was great. And so some lucky winners soon will be picked. And then, um, lots of people won some really cool things this weekend and Very then nice. I will have more to come. And if you check me out on my Facebook page or on your daily game face, um, I will put some things there as well that you can win some things there if you donate. Um, but we're going to keep going all the way until, two days before the marathon, which the marathon's the 18th, and I'm going to go all the way to the 16th doing fundraising. How's your foot? And what? How's your foot? And my foot is, <clears throat> we won't talk about my foot. Okay. <laughs> you want to slap it? <laughs> uh, my foot's got my foot issues, but yeah. nonetheless, I will crawl, walk, roll, <laughs> stroll, do whatever it takes to get to the finish line. So. Nonetheless. All right. Well, you all have a great week. You have fun in Ireland. Thank be you. safe and happy and have a great time. And we'll be back here at our normal scheduled time next week because you will be back, right? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> all right, you guys have a wonderful week and please go sponsor me at Give and Gain for New England Patriots Foundation uh, for my eighth running of the Boston Marathon. Thank you guys. Have a great week. Mm -hmm.